Welcome to another episode of the Corrosion Journal interview series. My name is Sammy Miles, and I'm the Managing Editor-in-Chief of Corrosion Journal, AMP's peer-reviewed scientific journal. Today, we're celebrating Peer Review Week, a global initiative to celebrate the value of peer review. I'm excited to welcome several guests on today's episode, Dave Coleman from Los Alamos National Laboratory and Umaima Garbi from Sorbonne University, as we celebrate Peer Review Week. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So to get us started today, tell me a bit about your background, including what drew you to material science and engineering. Umaima, do you want to get us started? Yes, of course. So um, I actually was very interested in material science when I was in um, university. So it was during my master's degree. At that time, um, I had a professor and he, he introduced us to corrosion and uh, he made it look like it was an enigma. And we were trying to find why we had a material that was corroding. So we had some clues and then we had to find with the tools that we had. So it's electrochemistry, material science, and then find and explain why we had a material that was corroding. And since that time, actually, I really wanted to pursue a career in that area. So I did my PhD in France in uh, corrosion science. Then I moved to um, Australia, did my postdoc also on corrosion. Then I came back to France and applied for a permanent position. And I've been a uh, an academic for three years now. And how about you, Dave? Yeah, I've been a material scientist uh, since college, I guess. And uh, I started out actually in college as a biomedical engineering. Um, major and I decided I didn't really like it very much and I was I had never even heard of material science before I got to college and um, like a lot of people probably on planet earth I got attracted to uh, material science by Professor Pond at uh, Johns Hopkins so he was this incredibly unique individual he had this he would go out to high schools and um, do these really neat uh, material science things for high school students. Like he'd do things like he'd go get the smallest girl in the audience and the biggest boy in the audience and he'd get a piece of material that work hardened and he'd have this um, small girl bend it and then this really big boy try to bend it back and he couldn't bend it back and everybody would laugh or he'd squirt like molten tin at the spinning pie plate and it would look like somebody's getting ready to get hit with molten tin, but it was just this harmless room temperature tinsel flying up. It was really funny. Anyway, so he had this great um, way of sucking people into material science. And I took his introduction class and it it sucked me in. And then when I found out I could break things for a living, I was, I was really hooked. So um, that's kind of how I got into it. I've been in and out of corrosion over the years, over the course of my career. Uh, much further along than Umaima, sadly for me. Um, but uh, I, I'm still uh, very interested, obviously, in corrosion and environmental fracture, and um, I really enjoy it. And it's it's just a really important field, I think. So wonderful. And to get us onto the topic of today's episode, what are some of the benefits of peer review? And uh, why don't we start with Dave for this question? Yeah, there's, gosh, um, there's a lot to mention, I suppose. But, you know, as far as peer review goes, it's obviously beneficial for essentially every entity involved, I think, with with publication. I mean, I think 
the primary ones, obviously, for the scientific public, for the readers, right? I mean, to produce um, a manuscript that's going to be published, it kind of gives it some sort of validation that this um, has been read by cognizant people and they agree that it is uh, valid and worthy of publication. That's really the bare minimum. Um, but then above that, there's the just improvement aspect of peer review. Like, you know, somebody submits a manuscript and it's perfectly fine and it's full of valid data or whatever, but somebody might say, hey, you know, you should really beef up these publications or, hey, are you aware of this? Or, oh, I'm not sure you're interpreting this quite correctly. It's massively beneficial, I think. There's no paper probably that's ever been written that can't benefit from some sort of independent review. So, I mean, that's a huge plus, I think, for the community, obviously. And then, you know, for the journal, obviously, it's great having publications um, that are better. It certainly helps the journal itself. It helps the editors. It's not about us, of course, but um, it helps us too. You know, we, we're really looking for people who can really contribute um, to the work that's going out there. And even though you're not the author of the paper, you get, you know, there's some sort of validation that, that you've really helped um, both the author and the community itself, so. And how about you, Umaima? Well, um, if if I put that in, a, in another context, well, there's many different ways of um, showcasing our results and our research. And one of the most important one is publications. So this is how um, the community will uh, know what we're doing, uh, the recent findings that we have. This is the way we share it. And this will also be used by future researchers to build their own research, uh, make significant findings maybe someday. So if uh, if a paper is uh, has um, wrong results, uh, results that were not very verified or validated by our peers, this would have significant impact in the future. So it's extremely important that we have this review process. And, and uh, having also the feedback of our peers on some of our research is also very beneficial because we see things through our prism, through our experience, but sometimes having the feedback of someone that comes from another community that has another experience can improve our research. And this way of doing that through our peer review uh, is one of the best way. So I think that's why uh, reviewing is extremely important in research in general. Yeah, I, I agree with both of what both of y'all said there because really, yes, it improves your papers, but it also helps both the authors, the reviewers and the editors expand, expand their horizons. Think about things in a new way sometimes even, right? Um, as they're thinking through, is this technically accurate? Is it not just, is it grammatically correct, right? You're looking at the whole spectrum. So I wholeheartedly agree with um, both of y'all. And that brings us to our next question. What makes a good review? And let's start with Umaima on this one. Yeah, okay. So um, there's different ways of seeing uh, what makes a good review. If, um, if I'm an author, and I see what would be a good review is an unbiased review, first of all, constructive one, and the one that makes my paper better, right? Um, a good review for an editor would be something that 
a review that is clear to read, easy, um, that uh, also uh, explains or justifies the decision that the reviewer is going to make because it's also a difficult decision to make to reject a paper, for example. And it's very important that there is valid uh, and scientific explanation behind this decision. So it makes um, our life easier when a reviewer explains that in uh, in in details. So uh, that would be the 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 key points of a good review, in my opinion. Thanks. And how about you, Dave? Yeah, I, I comments along the same the same line, I suppose. I mean, a thoughtful review and a thorough review is really appreciated. Sometimes we get responses back that just say, accept, you know, from a review. And that's helpful. That gets us part of the way to where we want to go, but it doesn't really help improve the paper. Um, so yeah. I think probably not all reviewers are actually on the same page in what the goals are in a review, because sometimes it's not just, should we accept this? We're not just asking you for that we're asking for comments like i say there like i said before there's no um there's probably never been a manuscript ever written that's been perfect out of the gate so um independent thought and you know this is what you might do to improve i think is is really helpful um i've received comments back when i've written papers where i was like wow i never thought of that that's a really good comment you know so you know, something that really helps improve the paper um, is 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 really appreciated. And I think the more people are willing to do, the better it is. We know this is volunteer. Um, so asking people to spend, you know, 40 hours reviewing a manuscript and digging up references might be a bit much, but, uh, but anything people can do to really help. Um, to give thoughtful comments and how how the paper can be better and not just is this accept or reject is really appreciated. Excellent. And that actually segues perfectly into our, our next question. Um, what advice do you have for reviewers um, or those who want to begin reviewing? Just let's say you're starting out in your career, you want to actually begin reviewing for the first time or you're early and you're trying to figure out what the best way, what are the editors looking for? Um, what advice do you have? And let's start with Dave on that. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there's this kind of unwritten obligation, and this is another one where not everybody's maybe on the same page, so this is just my opinion, but there's this unwritten obligation, like if you author papers, you should be reviewing them as well. And everybody's really busy, totally get it. We all have families and jobs and whatever else, right? So to me, if you don't actually have time to do a good job, I would suggest a reviewer just to reject it. We all understand everybody's busy, but you know, if folks can make the time to do it, we certainly really, really appreciate it um, for sure. So, and then, you know, for reviewers, I think too, it might be a, a more of a temporal thing, not just a general sense like that, like I have time all the time or I don't, but if you feel like you're not gonna have time to do it um, over the next few weeks or something, to maybe just say, no, thank you, you know, if you're asked, but um, but ask me again, this is just a particularly bad time. It's like, great, that's wonderful. Because back to my previous comments, I think we're looking typically for more than just accept or reject, like, oh my God, I'm running out of time and I have to review this paper. I'm just gonna power skim it in the next 20 minutes. It looks good to me and send it off. 
isn't really what we want. So, um, so making sure that you have the time to do it would, would be great. I think that would be a, a good piece of advice. And then as far as getting into it, I think all editors would love for more people to volunteer to do this. I think more people look at it like it's a chore than an opportunity. But there certainly is, you know, opportunity here to see stuff and learn stuff. And it really is deeply appreciated by the journal, by, well, I won't say by the author usually. <laughs> and, you know, and certainly by the editors. I think it's, you know, part of your service as being part of the community that if you're going to author a paper, at some point, somebody refereed yours, you know, you need to go uh, perhaps do the same if you can would be um, an attitude that should be embraced, I think. But Wonderful. And and how about you, Umaima? Um, so my... If I if I would give myself advices when I was a student and I had to review for the first time, I would say, well, it gets better with time. Um, it might look very hard the first time, and it's it's normal. It's okay. It gets better. Um, and um, another thing is when you look at a paper, um, when you read it, does the story make sense first of all? And um, if they're making conclusions, the author. Is it supported by the results? So can you see that too in their data, for example? So that's another way, another thing that you might want, want to look at if you're reviewing a paper. And, uh, and then uh, finally, um, it, can you repeat the experiment? Also, it's very important. Can you redo the experiment? Is it explained in a way that you can do it in your lab? Because that's very important. And then if you can answer these questions, then you can write down a review and then you can make your decision. I'm simplifying, of course, it's, but these are the advices I would give for a beginner. Perfect. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on some of what both of y'all said. Actually, Dave made a comment about time. Just let people know if you're not able to. And I, I would say... I would even take that a step further and say, if you think of somebody that might be really good to review the paper, put that in your note back to the editor. You know, I don't have time, maybe invite me on a future paper, but here are three names or here's one name even of somebody that might be a good fit because that's going to help the editor so that if they're exhausting some of their, um, their network or people that they think would be good for a manuscript. Maybe it's somebody kind of to the point earlier of, of we'll learn something from different communities, right? Uh, a lot of editors have their go-to reviewers, but then we can just broaden the whole pool in general and say, oh, I hadn't thought yes. about that person for this review. Mm -hmm. And then that will help bring in again, more insight. And yes. I think one thing that I'll talk about from my side, which, which is a different probably point of view from both the editor or an author or a reviewer itself, but it's for the journal, we're looking at how do we have the best experience for an author? And some of that comes down to how long has my paper been sitting in peer review? Because I think that's the worst is when you're talking to an author and they're like, okay, when am I going to get a decision back? And so anything that we can do, you know, if you're not able to review, here's somebody who might be able to help you out. And so then they can help review the paper. Mm -hmm. And that might, you know, help move it along through review. I don't know from y'all's point of view how important timing is. I just, on the on the staff side of the journal, 
that's something that occasionally will come up if something's taking a long time. And usually there's a reason for things taking a while in review, right? Yeah. So just to elaborate on Umaima's mm -hmm. comments, those are wonderful comments for not just the reviewer, but really for the authors. That is just spot on. It feels like a lot of authors do not seem to grasp that you're telling a story here, that that you're that you know there needs to be a point to what you're doing and there needs to be a beginning and then you know a middle and an end and i know we're not authoring the next great novel um but that really is the goal here right is like what are you doing why are you doing it and then can you support what it is you're saying in the end by what you presented in the middle and i think gosh it'd be wonderful if all the authors who wrote papers listened to what you just said because that was that was perfect. Absolutely. And it, it's easier for the, the reader. It, it helps the author to frame it that way. And it helps the reader to understand why is it even important? Um, you know, if there's not a, that cohesive story, you don't always know. Okay, great. So you study this new alloy. Why do I care? And you don't want that to be the takeaway, right? You want to say, oh my gosh, this has tremendous impact. So Thank you. Thank you for adding that, Dave. Both of y'all, those were great comments. Another question for y'all. The, the theme of Peer Review Week this year is peer review and the future of publishing. And we've seen several changes to peer review in the broader journal ecosystem over the past few years. Um, this isn't directly with Corrosion Journal, but overall across, you know, humanities and the medical fields and some of the sciences, They've been playing with open review where people can see who the reviewers are or see the reviews themselves being posted, whether that's, you know, all reviews are posted or people opt into it. Um, we also have voluntary review on a lot of preprints now, and those are generally public and done ahead of submitting to a journal. And there's been other changes like that. So do you think that these will be adopted on a broader level and and or? do you think traditional peer review will have a place in the future? And let's start with Dave on this one. I mean, I hope traditional peer review has a place in the future. The internet's been like this horrible double-edged sword for humanity, right? I mean, the opportunity for um, not just active misinformation, disinformation, but just things that are wrong that are out there, everything has equal weight on the internet. I've typed this into Twitter, therefore it is, right? Um, and and people looking at that, and we've seen that happen even in science, even things that have been peer reviewed, right? That famous issue about autism and vaccines that somehow got in a publication, which has become almost undoable at this point, it feels like. Um, but that, so that was an actual fail of peer review, but in reality that happens at vanishingly small rate. And part of the reason why it does is because we do have peer review. And if we're going to get into a world where people are just publishing things without peer review, that is pretty frightening because I can go on and say, oh my gosh, it turns out aluminum's terrible or whatever, you know in this environment, it could be completely wrong. And you now airplanes are falling out of the sky or bridges are falling down or whatever. Um, so we really need some sort of reliable vetted system. And that really is, has been historically, right, the peer review system. And, you know, prior to the internet in the, in the dark days of planet Earth, um, right, you know, the way 
this information got out there was you either went to a conference or you subscribed to a journal and that journal showed up in your mailbox, right? And you got it and you thumbed through it, right? And so it was a very controlled system. And if you didn't subscribe to Corrosion Journal or Corrosion Science or Journal Electrochemical Society, I guess you just weren't finding out about this brilliant new research, right? Kind of thing or going to your library and thumbing through. So the internet's certainly beneficial, but it also is quite scary in the sense that there's this opportunity for a lot of core information to get out there. So to me, I really hope that peer review in its current sense of, of people submitting information to be vetted as being valid will always exist. and and. So that's kind of concern number one for me. And then I think beyond that, these nuances that people are playing with, like, you know, open reviewers, I, you know, well, I feel like there may be some fields or some people that are out there with malintent. By and large, 99.99% of people reviewing stuff are doing so, you know, honestly and with good intentions. So. I think to avoid that, oh my God, I, I think people would be pulling their punches as reviewers if they knew that their name was going to get attacked. So if I'm so if I'm a reviewer and I know um, the author and I'm going to write something that says, gosh, this paper should be rejected and this is why you know your data are flawed or your you know your logic's flawed or whatever, it's hard not to believe there's going to be some hard feelings. And I think. If, if the goal is to wind up with the best manuscript in the end, I think something like blinding the reviewers really needs to be the case. I, I think that's a problem. There's a very, very, very small problem perhaps with, um, with the instance where that's gone bad, but it's so minuscule. It's hard to believe that you're not doing more harm than good by opening that up. I think double blinding stuff works great too. I know we don't do that. Um, but that's a pretty reasonable approach as well. So, Thanks, Dave. And um, to those listening who don't know the difference on like single blind and double blind, single blind, the reviewers know who the author is. And in a double blind, the reviewers don't know who the author is and the author doesn't know who the reviewers is. And so you're, you're truly evaluating it based on the work itself, not are we giving any bias to who the, who the author is and what level of esteem they may have. Um, and Umaima, over to you, same question. Yes, yeah, so I completely agree with what Dave said. Um, I really hope that traditional peer review will remain the, the main way, mainstream of uh, review in our community. Um, um, one of the danger of, of using open review or preprints, well, it's great because, well, first of all, you can share your research really fast if you really want to show something to the world, but it's great. But then if you get feedback, you don't really know who is giving you feedback and uh, the quality of that feedback. One main advantage of, of going through a journal is that you know that the editor who's a specialist in your field and the journal is a specialist is your, in your field, will choose a reviewer that knows um, what you're doing. He will understand what you're doing and he will give you constructive feedback. And um, doing open review, um, this also um, can be dangerous because then you don't know exactly uh, what, uh, what are the intentions of uh, the reviewers and uh, why they're giving you such comments. 
Um, then for, uh, I guess, the double brand review, uh, that was the point, the last point that you mentioned, Sammy. Um, I think that would be one of the best way of um, of moving forward for the peer review process, um, because, uh, well, we uh, if we do an open uh, review where the uh, reviewer knows who's who the author is and the author knows who the reviewer is, this can um, affect the reviewer judgment. If he will know that the author knows who he is, uh, he may uh, change maybe his judgments. And I think that can affect also the quality of the review. This is just unconscious bias. So I think doing the um, double blind review where no one knows who, who is the author and who is the reviewer, then you're just judging the quality of the paper. And I think this would be the best way because we're just judging science here when we're doing review. Thank you. And before we wrap up, do either of y'all have any final thoughts on peer review or anything we've discussed today? Um, well, I would say uh, reviewers are extremely important in our field. We need reviewers. Uh, without that, I think we cannot really have uh, publish um, good science and verify our science. So we need more reviewers. Please <laughs> accept any paper we're sending to you. And um, and yeah, I think peer review has definitely uh, a place in our uh, in our research future. Yeah. So yeah, just to echo what Umana said, I mean, yeah, gosh, thanks so much to everybody who does this. I mean, you know, it really helps support the community and science in general. I think it's the one thing that tends to separate, I think, science from every other aspect of what we do is human beings on planet earth is this kind of you know science kind of holds this kind of holier than thou higher ground of look look at us we do it the right way we send stuff out we make sure it's right it's independent and that can't be done without without peer reviewers and i think for science to maintain its place in society as something to be respected and to be believed we can't do it without without peer review and our appreciation for the folks who who perform peer review is is huge so thanks so much to everybody who does that and i agree thanks to all of our reviewers and thank you umaima and dave for joining today and with that, I'm Sammy Miles. I'm here again with Dave Coleman and Umaima Garby. And thanks for listening to another episode of the Corrosion Journal interview series. As a reminder, you can subscribe to AMP Podcasts if you haven't already on Apple, Google, Spotify, and all the major distributors. If you want to learn more about the journal, make sure to visit corrosionjournal.org. You can also find all episodes of AMP Podcasts on amp.org. That's A-M-P-P dot O-R-G. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.